Before we begin, a note of warning. The language used and the topics explored in this podcast are not suitable for listeners younger than 18. Your discretion is advised. From the Spade and Archer Studios, welcome to Behind the Yard Sign, the podcast that pulls back the curtain to reveal the real world of real estate with your hosts, Justin M. Reardon and Amy Romberg. Hey, Justin! Hi. How are you? I am great. Happy 2023. How's it looking for you so far? 2023, pretty good. Like, I, I'm not really complaining. My son got accepted to Morehouse, which has Ugh. been huge. Like we did early Yay. admissions to that and that was his number one school and they get they threw him a scholarship and like I'm just <gasps> Oh, I didn't know about the scholarship. Yes. Oh, my god! They gosh. were like, well, not only do we oh. want you, we're going to pay for you to come to school here. And I was like, oh, I love it. And then he's gotten accepted to a bunch of other schools, and they got even more money to other schools. And I was like, can we call them and see if they want to give their money to Morehouse? <laughs> They're not doing that yet. <laughs> I mean, unfortunately, it doesn't work that way, but I do love the idea. How's your 2023 going, darling? It's great. I just got back from two weeks away. I'm having the my first experience of like having a partner and taking a vacation. Yes. Um, it's really nice. <gasps> That's so, right, because yeah. we staged a couple of houses for you last week and yes. you were in Hawaii. I so was and Dan- Daniel was managing it all. So, I mean, I was dipping in here and there, but mostly just because I wanted to check on things. So you got and, a real yes, vacation been- as a real estate agent. I did. It was really good. Oh yeah. my goodness. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. And we're keeping you busy. Yeah. Yeah. We are, <laughs> we are definitely very busy. There is a lot of stuff going on over at Spade and Archer and 2023 has been really good. So, and I think we just staged, so like there was a project for for you over on 29th, something like that, right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Northeast 29th. Yeah. And great house, some funkies, you know, some complexities to it just in terms of space and, and layout was a little um, odd. Yeah. Walking in and having kind of no entryway and a smaller living and a, you know, I feel like this is one of the houses that I'm like, thank goodness for staging. Did, I don't know if we told you this, but we, we went multiple on that. So, what? What? um, yeah, what? yeah. So wait, so January, we, early January, recording this in the middle of winter, a staging house and in 2023, and you got multiple offers on a house. How long was it on the market? Four days. <laughs> <laughs> How does that work for you? That Maybe five. I guess we yes. were at five, yes. but we had an offer kind of right out of the, we had a good, strong offer right out of the gate. And then we had some folks who followed suit and everybody is incredibly happy. The sellers are over the moon because yeah. they sort of thought they'd miss their window for the multiple offer situation. Staging, <laughs> I don't know. Staging was like essential to making this happen because it, it just pulled this house together in a way that I think really allowed people to see its possibilities. Yeah. Dan, your partner shot me a text last night he forwarded a text from the client and it said it's so beautiful that I cried and I'm not a crier (laughs) and I was like oh work that I did moved somebody emotionally like that is that is so freaking cool that makes me so happy that's our new bar for staging does it make make you cry cry. yeah yeah (laughs) you know we just staged a project I was given a tour of this project it's like this really lovely penthouse apartment downtown in the Pearl District and I was like wow these people live like pretty clean. I didn't know any of this situation or anything. And they're like, oh no, no, it's already been staged. And I was like, why are, <laughs> why are we here? And they're like, oh, we're tired of paying rent for staging. And I was like, oh, okay. And like, so what are you going to do here? She's like, we want to use your guaranteed project. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. And so they literally had the other stager remove their staging on Monday and we came in on Tuesday and staged it. I don't know that aesthetically our stuff is any better. We tried to stage yeah. it as differently as we possibly could. So Smart. Like, there was a space right off the kitchen that the last stager had staged as like a sitting area, like a 
third living room, we staged mm-hmm. it as a breakfast nook and put an office in there, put like a desk against the wall, like where kids could do homework and grandma and grandpa could look over their shoulder and make sure not they're serving porn, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> they had staged it as a two bedroom, so two king size bedrooms and an office. We took one of the king size bedrooms, took that out. We put in two full size beds to make it so like grandkids could stay there. Or if it's a divorcee, they could put two kids in that room. Then we took the third bedroom that they had staged as an office and we staged it as another king size bedroom. So we ended up with three full size, well, four full size beds in there, two kings and two fulls, plus an office in the full room, plus an office in the dining room. We tried to make this space look like as usable to as many people as we possibly could. I think that the last stage, I think the furniture was like, like technically prettier, like it was pretty furniture. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think that our house looked more like real, like it had more flavor to it. Like you could actually see somebody living in this house. And so we finished that project yesterday. We'll see what happens. It's going to go on the market here in the next 10 days or so. And I can't wait to see. Yeah, Yeah, I do. I mean, I think that's one thing I appreciate so much. I'm just thinking about you staged a condo for us recently too, which we've gotten so much great feedback on. So we were in negotiations with that one. I think of the desk that you put in kind of because there's another one of those sort of slightly awkward, like, what do we do with this space? How does this work? You know, when you live in a space, you just, you make it so it works for you. So there's so much creativity there. And I also feel like you all as stagers approach that in a way that it's usually just homeowners. Like, oh, I'll put something over here. I feel like you kind of blow it open in terms of what can go where. Yeah, it's really different for us because a homeowner comes in and they're like, I have this furniture and I have to find a (laughs) way to to shoehorn it into this house. (laughs) Whereas for us, we're like, well, I can choose from 57 different couches and 29 different desks. (laughs) and 47 different dining room sets. And, you know, we can, I can basically make this any way that I want to. And the condo that you guys did, which was in like the seventh floor or something like that of the the downtown Pearl District building with huge windows. It's the cover model on our website right now. Um, Oh, lovely. The thing that I think was difficult about that particular house is that you had this massive public space, like huge living room, dining room, kitchen, kind of almost loft-like. And then there was like one bedroom with no door and a bathroom. (laughs) And it was like... What the yep. hell are we supposed to do with this? And so, and I, a long hallway, and a very very long hallway <laughs> yes. to get in. And so I I try to imagine what the person is like that would buy that house. And I was like, yeah, these people are fabulous. They yeah. love to entertain. They probably drink too much. Um, <laughs> they may have had a coke habit at one time or another. It may relapse. <laughs> and so I like tried to. I'm like, which? And so I was like, I'm going to build this whole house off one couch. And so we found this orange leather Uh couch that has like wood siding on the back and the sides. We hardly ever use it because it's really, really, really like just so precise of a house. You can't throw that in like a suburban house, right? It's a beautiful couch. It weighs more than the world. uh, And it's also very (laughs) uncomfortable and it's quite beautiful. So we took this orange couch, we threw it in there and then we literally staged the entire rest of the house was orange. Like orange, 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 which you don't really even notice when you walk in. It just feels like a warm and inviting space. But we ended up putting a living room, a dining room, and an office and a kitchen into that open space. So we kind of put more stuff than I think the average person would have in there. It felt right. And I was like, this is gonna, this is so beautiful. And the fact yeah. that you're negotiating right now on a condominium in yeah. Portland, these condos are not moving fast right now. So 
That is very good. Immediately, we had showings that knocked Daniel and I like off our socks. We were like, why are we getting so many? It was amazing. You know, people like to buy pretty stuff, right? So, yep, yeah, that's absolutely. A, that's, a good one. that's a good one. So, we took the, the green room this week and we kind of made it into a giant bar. And we've got a couple of guests in the back. So, we've got Cassie Walker Johnson and Jeremy Johnson. They're a team over at Windermere and they came in and I was like, hey, how would you guys like to like hang out in the green room for a little while beforehand? And Cassie is like, yes, I'd love to. I want to drink Cosmopolitans. I want to talk about the Pantone color of the year, which is Viva Magenta. And I want to hang out with Shay McGee. And I was like, <laughs> I don't even know who Shay McGee is. So I Googled her. Apparently Shay McGee, like Netflix, she has like these interior design TV shows. She's like a yes. People Magazine darling of the year. So we yes. called their people. There was like, I went to her website. There's a contact us sheet. And I was like, hey, you want to come have drinks with us? And she was like, yeah. Oh, that showed up. Like, just showed up. Love I'm like, it. okay, cool. Love so, it. you know, and then um, the Seahawks just finished their season last weekend. They lost against the 49ers, which is super sad. But I was like, hey, Pete, the coach, Pete Carroll, I was like, hey, do you want to come down and do a whiskey tasting with us? And he was like, I happen to be in town that day. So I was like, yeah. So we've Great. got Pete Carroll. We've got Shay McGee. We've got Cassie Walker Johnson. We've got Jeremy Johnson. They are having whiskey. They are having Cosmos. I'm going to go back and get them. Go get them. They might I can't be wait. Little, okay, I'll be right back. <laughs> Amy, I want to introduce you to my friends, Cassie and Jeremy. They are with Windermere. Uh, this is my good friend, Amy. We just came back from the green room. We were having some cocktails and hanging out with some famous people. <laughs> Cassie, how are you? So good. We're excited to be here. Um, hopefully the three Cosmos I've had so far will not make me slur, but excited to <laughs> see your smiles and hang out. Hey, it's 10 o'clock in the morning. You know, you got to drink at some point of the day, right? I love it. (laughs) Jeremy, how was your discussion with Pete? I know he had a hard game this weekend. Uh, Yeah, it was a a little disappointing, but they put in a good good fight this year and were better than they expected. I think anybody expected for that matter. So all was good. Not a bad showing at all. Not a bad showing at all. Uh, Did you have a favorite whiskey? Pete's was McAllen. Yeah, that's a good mm-hmm. one. That's a good one. My husband likes Lafroig. He wants his whiskey to taste like the bottom of an ashtray. <laughs> I am not so much. I'm more towards the bourbons. I want it to be a little sweeter, you know, because I'm kind of a sweetheart like that. So uh, it's so great to have you both here. Let's start with Jeremy. Jeremy, how did you get into real estate? I uh, was a corporate event planner prior to in my prior life 20 years ago. And I was really tired and burnout and tired of working late, late hours and starting at three in the morning the next day and started to think about other things. And then 9-11 hit and there was a little bit of a downshift in business and I was able to take a couple months off. So I took a little road trip and did some soul searching and came back, worked a couple more events as promised. And then I quit and took time to take some licensing classes and found the right office. And that was that a couple months after 9-11, I was an agent. And so how long was your road trip and where did you go? (laughs) All down the West Coast along the 101 on the one and two months all together. I have found that road trips are really, really good for clearing your head and getting you to have an idea of what the heck you're supposed to be doing with your life. I did the same thing when I started Spade and Archer. It was through a road trip and some really panicked phone calls to my husband, most certainly. Cassie, what was your adventure? Like, how did you end up in real estate? Mine was more sort of falling into it as I was actually falling in love with Jeremy. So, um... Oh. <laughs> 
<laughs> we, um, it's our Valentine's episode of Behind oh, the Arts. Oh, yeah, perfect. So um, a little bit about our personal and love story was that we met, I was working in fundraising at Big Brothers Big Sisters and had been doing nonprofit for some time. I was just really feeling I wanted to go for profit and mm-hmm. was feeling a bit burnt out trying to explore what did I want to do. And at the time, Jeremy had come because, as he said previously, he was in the event industry. I met with him and um, hired him to do a contract. And so that was how we met. And then mm. um, as much as he may have thought I was a total bitch in the beginning, he I got him to fall for me. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so at one point I was sort of exploring and I've always been interested in real estate. You know, I bought my first, you know, investment condo, um, you know, at a pretty young age and just saw the, you know, what it can do and absolutely yeah. like loved it. So the story goes, Jeremy and I had a long walk around Green Lake as we were dating <laughs> and I was telling him I was like interested in, you know, leaving Big Brothers, Big Sisters. And he said, well, why don't you come work with me? You know, because I said, well, I think I'm interested in real estate. And then it was sort of like, okay, how do I tell this man that I am nervous about starting a business with him <laughs> if he doesn't see a future for us? And we're no walking pressure, around. No pressure. No yeah, pressure. No pressure Cassie. at all. And I'm like, well, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, how do I say this that's like put a ring on it? But somehow, and I don't know, Jay, if you remember what I said, but it was sort of by the end was like, okay, I don't think I want to go into business with you unless you see a future for us. And yeah. he, Jeremy is a man of, of not many words and he was very quiet. <laughs> you know, that's an hour long walk around the green lake, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and by the end, he turns and says, I think you joined me in real estate. And I was like, Oh my God, we're getting married. <laughs> 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 oh, that's a total leap so from like, great. yes, we're going to work together. We're getting married. Yep. Fantastic. I love it because that is, there's so much to consider there, right? I mean, if yeah. you're, if you're doing it, you're, you're doing it or you're not. So yeah, exactly. Wow. I mean, it was a blending of all of our lives and everything. And it was like, okay, we need to make sure we're going to blend everything. Did you work together first and then get married or did you get married first and then work together? We actually worked together first. So yeah, we joined real estate together and we were married, I think within that year. Mm-hmm. And so that's okay. why we are still Johnson and Walker, even though legally I am Johnson. We started marketing as Johnson and Walker and Jeremy was like, we need to keep this. Like it's his one marketing thing that was a brilliant way of saying, okay, let's keep our yeah. name out there. So we're still Johnson and Walker. Yeah. We're Spade and Archer and that's nobody's last name. So <laughs> you know, that's, it works out great. So <laughs> you make it whatever you want to be. And people often ask me when I walk on a job site, they're like, are you Spade or Archer? And I was like, no. no. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, totally fictitious. Uh, uh, y'all are at Windermere. Was this your first choice? Like, did you start at Windermere? Did you end up at Windermere? What do you love about Windermere? Tell us what your thought process was there. I interviewed like three different offices in 2002. And it was John L. Scott in Madison Park and Eastlake Windermere, which was Michael Nelson, who I just instantly had a connection with. And I felt like he was also, um, the reason I went there is because a friend of mine had just bought a house and she loved her agent. And he said, you got to go talk to this guy. He, he loves the way he works. It just worked out really well for me. Windermere had the best brand in Seattle. And it seemed like that was the way to go. And actually, when Fantastic. I joined Jeremy in 05, you know, of course, I'm like, well, wait a minute. How do you know it's the best one? Like, let's. So he's like, well, you can go out and interview whoever you want. So I went out and interviewed a bunch of other companies, all the big ones here in Seattle and was like, yeah, Jeremy's yeah. right. <laughs> Oh my God. I'm loving this team. Like, it feels like you guys bring such different things. I love that, Cassie, you were like, nope, I'm going to go check this out further. And (laughs) you circled back around and landed well, but I love that. Welcome to our marriage. (laughs) 
so true. Um, what, what would you say is your, what's your niche? Like what's the thing that you guys are doing that makes you excited about real estate right now? We're sort of known for two things. One, we love working with first time home buyers. Like it's just like, because we have an eight step system, it's proven, it works. We use it with every single one we work with, especially first time home buyers. They love that they know what to expect from day one. And we just kind of move them through mm-hmm. the system until we hand over the keys and then beyond. That's always been a niche for us. And then the other thing, and this has come out of sort of our love for remodeling. You know, we're in our fifth project. So we tend to, much to the demise of our daughter, we buy houses, we live in them while we're fixing them up. And then as soon as they're beautiful, we sell them. And um, (laughs) so uh, we'll tell you in a little bit about our current project, which is a bit more than I think we both anticipated. But it's that passion for Envision. Like we love design. We um, have this amazing little what we call blue book, not black book of vendors that we trust and rely mm-hmm. upon. And so sellers are coming to us and saying, okay, what can we do to you know maximize our return on investment? For example, we have a listing that was just about to come on on Queen Anne. They had a big two-week trip to go ski in Japan, which is amazing. We were like, go. And they're like, are you sure? And we're like, yep, we have this handled. So before they left, we went through and we said, okay, we need to refinish the floors. We need to repaint. We need to replace the carpet. We need to clean. We need to do... So we had a team of 11 vendors that we've brought brought in to take care Mm -hmm. of this. And we manage it all. Both of us, you know, even though we have different talents, we both love project management. We also are both total control freaks. So (laughs) it allows us to have control of the project and allow the sellers to just take that ease and stress off of them. We get asked that question a lot. We're like, who does this? Who hires you? Who runs the project? And it's different with every agent. Sometimes the agent is the only person that we talk to. And like, we don't want you speaking to our seller at all. And we're like, okay, cool. And then sometimes they're like, well, I gave you your name to the seller and they're going to contact you. And I'm like, okay, cool. It really varies a lot from agent to agent. And I don't think that there's any wrong way or right way to do it. If it works for you and you are successful in getting it done, then great. Do it that way. That's fantastic. I love that this is how you run your business. I can't imagine that this is for every client because there are some total control freaks out there. So what does your ideal client look like? Uh, I think there's enough control freak in both of us. So we prefer to people that are a little more laid back. Um, yeah. So they'll let us just run with it and we don't have to fight about color choices. They, you mm-hmm. know, the people that realize that they're not doing this for themselves. Mm-hmm. Yes. They're doing it to the mass market and to attract yes. the most people are the ones that get it. And we love to work with because we're not wasting our time fighting about the yellow wall that they love and they picked 20 years ago and just thought that was the best color on the planet. So yes, and that, that comes up a lot. I'm pretty sure that I got this from you, Justin. <laughs> the only yeah. the only person we know that's not going to buy this house is you, seller. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes. so true. Yes. yes. Oh my gosh. Yep. <laughs> we use that regularly. In fact, I am having a conversation about an orange wall right now, Jeremy. So mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I need to yeah. put that on yeah. our resume and on our business card. Yeah, it's so <laughs> good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and even we, we can that. And I would say even with buyers too. I mean, that's mm-hmm. the other part is that. That we attract really busy people. We are really busy people. We tend to attract really busy people. You know, it's like one of those things that they say, what is that old verbiage that's, if you need something done, pick the busiest person in your life, you know, or assign it to the busiest <laughs> person in your life. That's yeah. how we work. And so we just, you know, go through our systems with them. But also we tend to say, look, we we got this handled. Like we're going to help guide you through this. We're going to help manage this so that you can continue your busy life and not stress and worry about. And that's the magic of it, I find. I love 
love this because I can see that, you know, I, I operate in a similar way with my business partner. When you get to do that, when you get to sort of take over for somebody and then you're like, here, we're about to go live. Here's the, here's what we've created. And just the like, oh, wow, you know, that's, that's my, one of my favorite parts. And you know, there's also like risk in there too, though. I mean, that's the thing is that when we're the control freaks and we are the ones that are giving all our advice and asking them to trust us and everything, like we've mm-hmm. made mistakes and that yeah. sucks. Like hopefully it balances out with all the really great transactions we've had, but there have been times, oh my God, I will never forget. Our tr- we went to Europe. Jay, what year would that be? September of 2007. It was like right at the fall and we had sold a house across the street. We had it staged. It was like gorgeous. We had multiple offers. This is like the beginning of a boom. And so, you know, it went like a hundred thousand over a list, which was like a big thing back in that time. We got the, you know, the listing across the street, told them like, this is going to be great. We're going to do all of this. We're going to get it all done. We get it on, you know, we stage, we do all the things, we get it on the market. We go to Europe, we come home and it is a freaking ghost town. The world just fell off while we were out of town. The market Mm. just completely was gone. It was really hard. And we had to turn to these clients and be like, we just made the biggest mistake in the world. And then you're like chasing a boulder rolling downhill. (laughs) And you're like, ah, it's just getting lower and lower and lower. And I can't stop it. Justin, you know what it reminds me of? Have you seen, I was watching this video on Earthpix and Instagram. And it was an ice climber who was stuck in a crevice and an avalanche came through. And he's literally dangling with his feet on an ice crevice. And he is completely being covered you know, by the avalanche and he's filming the whole thing. So it must've been like a, I mean, and that's what it felt like. It was just like, hold on for dear life. We'll get through this. And we did, we got through it. But sometimes it feels like that. I think what's great about this process is as you're preparing a home for market and you're doing all these things that you're doing, your clients can trust you because your goals are aligned with your client's goals. You're also not going to get paid unless this house sells. And the higher it sells for, the more money you're going to make off of it. And so because you're completely aligned with your client, it makes it so that they can trust you. If you were being paid on a per hour basis to get this house ready for market, you might want to take as long as you possibly could to get this thing ready for market. But you're like, hey, let's do this fast and efficient, get on the market so that you can get paid and I can get paid. Um, It's what I like about our guaranteed product is that we are completely aligned with our clients is that you know we don't get paid unless you get paid unless they get paid. We're all getting paid together. And so I think the model works really, really well. We were talking about this idea of of being attracted to busy people who are attracted to busy people. I saw this article the other day. It was like, schedule like a boss. And I was like, oh, interesting. So I'm going to read this. And they said that normal people schedule things. They say, what time works for you? And bosses schedule things. They say, these are the three dates I have, the three times I have available in the next week. Pick yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> and I love that idea. Like, just narrow it down for people. Just be like, this is what I have available and that's it for you. That's it. We actually charge an hourly rate for the work we do. Nobody could afford us in this industry. Right, Amy? Right. Like, right. And, Absolutely. And also in staging. Yeah. Like, there's no way. <laughs> yeah. It, it absolutely makes sense. You know, and a lot of times with home staging, people call us up and like, hey, we just want to pay you for an hour to come out and give us your advice. And I'm like, okay, great. It's $450 an hour. And I'm like, that's more than my lawyer. And I'm like, yeah, I understand that. And they're like, but we just want you to come out and just tell us exactly what to do. I'm like, oh, okay, so you want me to just take my 20 years of experience and teach you how to do all of it in one hour? Absolutely. That sounds like a great idea for me. That would be fantastic. 
So I got a question for you. How do you decide when you're working in a partnership like this? And I think a lot of real estate agents have this question. How do you decide who's in charge of what? And how do you not like step on each other's toes? How do you like, what are the hacks for getting that conversation in alignment so that you're not doubling up on work and things are not falling through the cracks? Like, how do you do that? Oh, I want to hear the answer. Okay. <laughs> Amy, how long have you partnered with your partner for? Uh, like a hot second. Oh, okay. <laughs> so yeah, right. we are, we're like just a couple months in. I mean, I've worked okay. With him, I haven't been in the business for too long, so a okay. couple of years, and we're just we're just partnering up. So I'm excited about this. Yeah. <laughs> we're on vacation in August, and you guys are just doing it. So you're like six months into this thing. Into the yeah, I guess we yeah. are. I guess it's been six months. Yeah. Let's just start with we have not perfected it. There's no such thing in real estate. <laughs> yeah, There's no perfection. Right, and I want to put that out there because I think really, you know, we get asked this question a lot, and sometimes yeah. it's like, "What's your key? What's your?" Well, we haven't perfected it. It's not always perfect, and we sometimes make mistakes. And sometimes we email the client at the exact same time, even though we're like, (laughs) I'm upstairs in my office and Jeremy's in his office downstairs. So sometimes we have to backtrack. But Mm -hmm. I think that there are things that naturally came about as we started working together that, you know, Jeremy is the analyzer, the data picker, the analysis guy. Like he does all the things that we need to in order to deep dive into the market. Like when we're doing a market analysis, when we're doing a CMA for a buyer, who, you know, wants to know what they should write their offer for. And he is like the coolest negotiator, like unbelievable. Mm. The stuff that he can like make happen. I'm just like, oh my God, how did he do that? Mm-hmm. I am the marketing side. Like even in this conversation, you're hearing my voice more than Jeremy's because <laughs> I tend to <laughs> steal the room. And so in the beginning, it's a lot of me, you know, starting those relationships with our clients. I have what I call my digital craft room. I absolutely love Canva. I love creating creating all the products and and templates and all the things that we create so much so that I've actually started a side business, which is cwjmarketing.com. And that's where I provide buyer templates and, you know, seller guides and all the things for agents. Okay. So for folks out there who don't know, tell us what Canva is. Oh my gosh. Canva is the most amazing thing in the entire world. And it's so user friendly. <laughs> so it makes somebody without a graphic design background who doesn't know how to use Photoshop or doesn't know how to use InDesign or any of those. And they can just literally create instant graphics, instant Instagram posts, instant Instagram reels. You can create flyers, you can create pamphlets, like so many things. And they have so many templates and they also have so many photos that are at your disposal. And if you're going to do it, wow. use the pro yeah. edition. There is a free edition of it it to that. It's pretty good, yeah. but the pro edition is like fantastic. Well, if nothing yeah. else, the fact that you get free access to all their photos is like amazing. Yeah. But anyway, so I love that sort of digital craft room side of our business that I get to do. You'll see it in our Instagram at Johnson underscore and underscore Walker with all the work that we do there, our website, everything we do. I just, it's the, the branding in me that I, my first career out of college was doing branding. So yeah, so we've kind of fallen in line with our lanes, but you know, I'll let Jeremy speak to how we cross over those lanes. Hopefully we don't do it too often. It's something that has to be like a marriage constantly worked on because you're also dealing with the different ways your clients communicate with you mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. overlapping and or or Cassie might really connect with uh, somebody and I might really connect with somebody else. So we just 
are constantly fluid and changing. And the biggest thing we do is we try to, hey, I had this conversation with Mary, here's what we talked about and, and just bullet point so that if something comes up later in the day, or if it's something that's a moving topic, nobody's caught off guard or responding mm-hmm. in an inappropriate way because they didn't understand the conversation that just happened behind their, behind their back, right? So that's right. the tough part, right? We, we can't be on every call together. Just, it's just not practical. I think you eventually like, figure out each other's talents and those kind of naturally come about, but you can't, 100% always rely on that. Like you've got to be flexible all the time. We talked a little bit yesterday during our pre-interview about your morning huddle that essentially there's a 15 minute like sit down and plan the day. These are the issues that we have that need to be resolved. Who's handling this? Who's handling that? We do the same thing at Spade and Archer. There's at this point 21 of us. And so there's a leadership team of four people and we sit down every morning for 15 minutes and talk about what happened yesterday, what's happening today, what's going to happen tomorrow. And it's enough to get us on the page that those things that are like on fire, we know who's taking care of those things at least. And I think with a partnership, that meeting of the minds every morning, first thing in the morning, we tried to do it at the end of the day for a while, but we found that so much changed overnight that we were already out of date by the time we woke up the next day. Yeah. And so 15 minutes at 7.15 every single morning, <laughs> we're doing that thing. On that note, I you know, was thinking both of us being control freaks and both of us in and out of the business in different phases, controlling our soul side of the business, which we really haven't talked about yet, but Cassie was in property management for a bit, right? We market ourselves together, but we really ran two different businesses under the same umbrella. And so we were mm-hmm. in charge of our own destiny. We talked to our own clients for the most part. There was some tiny bit of overlap, but it really wasn't this thing. So then when we come back to joining again, we had to relearn all of those communication tactics and being okay yeah. with Cassie just did five things on the schedule to plan for next week. But normally I would be head over heels into it because I would have done it. Now I feel disconnected from it because I didn't have any part in that role. I think if we struggle with anything right now, it's just staying in control without being in control. Well, it's funny because it reminds me, Jay, is like, you know, 2018 when we came back together after I retired from property management was kind of like the year that he moved in with me. (laughs) And, you know, he had been that first year of dating and he had been staying at my house 24-7, but like hadn't physically moved into this house that I like bought, remodeled, perfectly decorated decorated and everything. And Justin, you might get a kick out of this. I remember the vision of him walking in and he like takes this painting off the wall. And then I was like, what, 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 wait, wait, what? And he's like, I'm moving in. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. You just get to sleep on your side of the bed. And all of this day. So it was a lot of that was how I was feeling in back then it, to me jumping into 2018. And Jeremy's like, wait a second, you have been doing this with me full time for nine years. And now you're kind of taking over. So it was uh, it was karma. <laughs> we were both nearly 30 and had our own houses completely intact, yeah. right? So where did my stuff go? In the garage. <laughs> yeah. Being a, a gay couple with my husband, a lot of times in heterosexual relationships, the gender rules are assigned. You know, he goes to work and she stays at home and he's in charge of the yard and she takes care of the inside. It's like very kind of assigned to you by society. With gay relationships, we're at the cutting edge of that. Nobody's done it before us. And so we just kind of make it up all the time. Mm-hmm. And so we've just picked whoever is good at it. So like Joe's in charge of music and wine and, <laughs> and I do aesthetics. So like perfect. whatever we're good at, that's just, you get to do that. And we don't have to fight any of those gender roles or anything. It kind of makes it a whole lot easier. Yeah. Uh, tell me about uh, your hardest day in real estate. When was it? When were you just like, why am I doing this? <laughs> well, can we talk about the hardest year in real estate? Um, yeah. 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 So, well, okay. So December 23rd of 2020, when we had just a few days left to get through that wonderful, memorable year. I 
was diagnosed with stage two invasive ductal carcinoma, which was breast cancer. Out of the blue, totally <sighs> shocked, just found it on a mammogram. Like, you know, no family history or anything. Luckily, even in COVID, I had stuck with my mammograms and I had that done. And it just was this, this journey that they say through thick and thin, through, you know, sickness and health, but it was a shock to us in many ways. Yeah. So I had surgery, uh, lumpectomy right away. That quote unquote cured the cancer. They were able to get all of it. They took two of my lymph nodes and they cleared it all out. But because it was a hormone based breast cancer, it meant that I needed to be in treatment for an entire year so that to reduce my chance of reoccurrence because I was at a young age. It's funny, like you have a baby at 33 and they call you geriatric, but you have breast cancer <laughs> at 48 and they call call you young, right? So it's like this right. medical imbalance. Mm -hmm. But so that started our 2021. And if any real estate agent is listening here, every single one of them was like, holy cow, 2021 was a year of records on every level, like brand new yeah. agents, historical agents, like it was just an epic year for all of us. It was our busiest year on record. And we decided to also launch a bit of a remodel with our basement. <laughs> wow. Which was started well before the cancer was diagnosed, but it was an ambitious project from the get go. And then when you layer in all the things that happened that delayed the project and then cancer and then the COVID and then business being, I was stretched a little thin. Yeah. Jeremy was the most amazing care person ever. Like absolutely this man knows how to take care of me in this position. And I think it was an interesting point in our marriage too, because I'm alpha girl. Like I can take care of myself. I had a house and a business and a career before I met him. You know, sometimes mm -hmm. I get challenged with like letting him just take care of me. And this was his opportunity. And he like shined beyond belief to just simply take care of me and make sure that I was okay and that our daughter was okay. You know, we had a 13 year old girl at the same time too. So there were a lot of challenges. And then, you know, it was like in the middle of it in February, we decided that we were going to make some changes in our basement with a remodel. We just had flooding. Like it was just an epic rainstorm that caused flooding that lasted for like six months. And he's constantly down there, some pumping it out, you know, coming upstairs and making sure that I had water at my bedside. And then I had applesauce to eat and, you know, and making sure the table had a lunch every single morning and got her to school. And it was a lot. The other component of it was figuring out that balance of, you know, on Instagram, we're pretty real with our people on Facebook as well. Like we are, you know, prolific in posting on social media. And it was that moment of like, do I share this my personal story or do I not? And my biggest fear was if I share it, someone's not going to send us business because they're worried that Cassie and Jeremy have too much on their plate, right? Mm -hmm. So we chose not to. And we mm -hmm. were able to do that because we had such a strong community. Like I had an amazing, I mean, when you, I wasn't fearful in telling anyone around me and my colleagues and everybody else, but we just didn't put it out there in social media. And we had this amazing yeah. community that we were actually able to really, truly rely on who stepped up and helped us from helping you know, entertain Tatum to, you know, taking Jeremy for a golf break to bringing meals and all the things for like an entire year. And so it's amazing how you see your community step up. It is really interesting when, you know, we try to be as vulnerable and as authentic as we possibly can be on social media. But there's also like, I hate it when people like, you know, show pictures of their busted kneecap, you know, and I'm like, oh, I don't want to see that. Yeah. That's too much. And so when you go through something really big like that, especially, you know, breast cancer or, you know, flooding in your basement, it's like, what version of this and what timeline of this do we want to put out there? Because ultimately, 
ultimately, I mean, I, I don't know about you guys, but I would not be on social media if I didn't own a business. Yeah. I, I would much rather talk to human beings than type it into a computer and have people press like. But I understand that the value of social media and that that's what brings us business. And so making decisions around what you put out there, what you don't put out there and the timing in which you do it can make massive differences in your life and in your business. And I can see your point. Like what's, you know, what's the limit? What's the point that like, this is too sad and people just start looking away, you know, (laughs) like I don't want to see your dying grandma in their hospital bed, you know, in that regard, we also didn't post pictures of a wet basement. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we did did have like one image of it as well, but yeah, true that too. I mean, it was a, a tough year for, for all of the things, you know, but we did, have clients ask because, you know, because the kind of clients we attract are also like they become our friends. And, you know, we had a couple repeat clients that year that were sort of like, hmm, where's Cassie? Like, because I would communicate from mm-hmm. bed on my phone, but I mm-hmm. was not going to showings. I was not, you know, I was doing everything I could to be as supportive, but really the biggest thing is your brain just like completely shuts down with chemo. So I had to step out any responsibility with managing anything. So there, we did decide there were a few key clients that we did share the information with and just so that they understood that this wasn't like we're falling apart. This was, this is what's going on. We've got it handled, but we wanted to share with you this information because they're close friends. So we, you know, and eventually I told my story late that year of, you know, like November of 2021 so that people understood what I'd been through at that point. I was like almost done and ready to let everybody know. But how are you now? I am amazing. Like I, it took an entire year following that 2022 to uh, recover. Thank you for asking. Um, your body, it takes a little bit of time. And so I'm just feeling the strength. I'm feeling like all of my numbers are great. Everything is, everything is good. It's all behind me mm-hmm. at this point. On that note, tell us about your best day in real estate. The day you were like, man, I was carved from cream cheese to do this job. <laughs> I was what? Carved from cream cheese? I've never heard that. <laughs> carved cream cream cheese. Yeah. It's a line from uh, Steel Magnolia. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's wow. like, you know, pure perfection. Yes. I'm thinking it was like 2005 early on to the multiple offer craziness not not when it was you know the insanity of the last couple of years but we found uh, a house a little cottage in in genesee hill um for these buyers that were super sweet uh one was a independent small business owner i don't think they were making a ton of money but but enough to survive the girlfriend they weren't married but they were you know cohabitating had just inherited like four or five hundred thousand dollars from her grandmother who died and she was a photographer and artist or something also didn't really have an income so they needed to find something they could essentially just buy and just pay taxes and monthly expenses but they could not afford a mortgage at least not a big one so we found um this little house that uh was darling everyone wanted it this was back in the day when we presented offers in person if we thought we had a good chance we would have the clients in the car out in the parking lot so they could sign right away e-signatures were also not a thing back then. (laughs) Yes. There was no tracking people down via email. So we were there, had a big meeting with them, presented our offer, told their story. The couple that owned the house was a little hippie-ish. Loved their garden. We knew that we had the right story to tug on their heartstrings if they were going to allow it. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And it worked out. And we just said all the right things. We ended up all having tea in the break room afterwards together. There were tears and I don't remember the exact amount that we saved them, but I think their better offer was at least 10% higher. It was like a $400,000 house. So 
And it was just that moment of like, it's hard because now these days we actually don't get to have those interactions between buyers and sellers, right? Like that we never really get to meet our sellers anymore, whereas we used to present in person. And I mean, everybody was crying, you guys, everybody, the buyers were crying, the sellers were crying, the listing agents were crying, we're have tears in our eyes. And it was just this moment of like, okay, this is why we do this. It's not about the commission check. It's not about all of that. It's about like creating this moment where the homes are a big deal. You know, people don't mm-hmm. just live in their home and then just sell it and move on and never, you know, remember or never forget all the memories that they created in there. And they're, these are emotional transactions. And so when you get to see like the kismet and the joy in that, it just is like, this is why we go through all the hell of this job to make these moments happen. A situation like that will carry you through to the next really bad one. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just try to look back on like when it felt good. Remember when this felt good? That'll get us through this. Yeah, it won't be so bad, I promise. Uh, What's the best place for folks to find you on the the interwebs out there? Um, Well, there's two places. Our website, which is johnsonandwalker.com. It's all spelled out. No T, J-O-H-N-S-O-N. Another really great place to find us is on Instagram and that's Johnson underscore and underscore Walker. How many times have you said that? <laughs> the underscores. So like this is, many, many times. This is the thing I regret. It used to be Johnson and Walker and I was like, oh, but that's hard to read. So I'm going to change it. And then I realized that now that we're doing podcasts that, wow, that was not a good idea because now there's all these <laughs> underscores and everything. But and somebody told me when we first started our, our website that it was a bad idea to put a hyphen in a website. Yeah. So our website is spade-archer.com. And I will admit uh, that I say dash, like as in not an underscore, like a dash, like a, <laughs> you know, like a hyphen and they're like, Oh, okay. Gotcha. And they still get it wrong. So, you know, it happens. They find us eventually. There's the Googles out there. So, you know, they'll get to, they'll get to you. Do you want to go back Amy, with me? We can go back and we can have some cosmos with Shay McGee and talk about the Panzone color of the year and drink some whiskeys with Pete Carroll back there. Yeah. You guys want to go back there and like get some more drunk. (laughs) All right, cool. Uh, Thank you so much for coming out. Really appreciate it. Great to meet both uh, of you. Yeah. Looking forward to the next one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was super fun to chat. Amy, nice to meet you. And Justin, always a pleasure chatting with you too. They are delightful. Wow. They are wonderful. (laughs) They... Oh. <laughs> I might be a little bit tipsy right now because those whiskeys were delicious. Did you have a Cosmo? Yeah. That was a nice way to wrap it up, wasn't it? <laughs> yep. And man, that Viva Magenta is really a stunning color. You know, Viva Magenta. So it's that was the color of my mother's fourth wedding dress. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I see it. And every time yes. I see magenta, I'm like, oh, yeah, that was the color my mom got married in when I was seven. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's funny because magenta reminds me of my grandmother for some reason. Like, I feel like oh. I, she was the one who taught me what magenta was. I think yeah. she had like, yeah, there was magenta around her house. And it's kind it's of a like particular pink on steroids. Yeah. Absolutely. I love magenta. I think magenta is super cool. It's one of those colors that is like use sparingly. We want to use magenta yes. in like a throw it pillow, <laughs> not like, you know, let's paint our a entire room. house. Yeah. This <laughs> yes. is not an exterior color. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's good. It's good. I mean, after like three or four years of the color of the year being like white. Beige. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, it's good. Magenta is a nice shot. change, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't know mm. if I'll ever forgive Pantone for the year that they did. Uh, it was like ombre pink to blue was their color of the year. And I was like, mm, <laughs> no, no, fail. Those are fighting words. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> 
So one of the things that, that they talked about was this idea of vulnerability on social media. And she had gone through this experience of having breast cancer and their basement flooding. And how much of that do you put on social media? When do you do it? I think they felt comfortable yeah. talking about it now because it's over. Like they already yeah. beat it. Like when, when our building burned to the ground, nobody covered it on the news. We did not post it anywhere. We were very, very quiet about it. We were just like, we just want to go into survival mode. We did produce a video about it after we were done. Like, everything's okay. Look what we went through. And, you know, at that point, I felt comfortable doing it. It felt really, really, like, vulnerable and almost, like, begging for sympathy for me to post it when it was actually happening. I didn't feel comfortable being like, look how hard things are for me right now. Yeah. That felt weird to me. And so how do you decide, Amy? Like, how do you know how vulnerable you're going to be? When is it too much? Like, when are we posting, you know, the dying pictures of the grandma in the hospital room or the gashed up knee? When is it too much? I mean, I think that's the question. And I think there's a bunch of little different layers to that question. You know, I appreciated a lot what Cassie said. You know, she also had or they had a business to consider, too, and not wanting to not be real or vulnerable. Clearly, there are folks who are comfortable being vulnerable. Like, that was an amazing share that she just did on the podcast. Like, so lovely to hear that story and to have them come on and and talk about it. But the business piece of it, right? You don't want to put too much out there because you don't want people to think, oh gosh, I can't call on you for the things I usually call on you for because you've got this thing going on. I can't call Spade and Archer because they've just had this massive warehouse fire. Like, they can't stage anything in Seattle right now. And that's not what we need as business owners. We don't need people like sort of self-selecting out because they think we've got too much on our plate. So I think as business owners, it is a really complicated sort of equation that leads you to be like, where is my level of vulnerability and my truthfulness with everybody that I'm on social media with? And also where is that balance? And where do we get to like keep a little bit for ourselves if we don't want to be? Yeah. You know, I told a very select people when the building burned down, I told a very select few people and we had just staged a project for a person and she was unhappy because the mirror as you walk into the entryway had a quarter of an inch scratch on the frame. She was like, (laughs) I want you to refund our money because we have people that come in here and not going to buy the house because this mirror has a scratch on it. And I was like, hey, I'd be more than glad to come down with a marker and fill in that scratch for you. And she's like, that is not good enough. And I was like, I'd be more than glad to go to the store and buy you a brand new mirror and come in and put that up there. And she's like, that is not good enough. And I said, look, I own a business. It's in two cities. One of my buildings burned down to the ground three days ago. I appreciate that this is a big problem for you, but this is not my biggest problem at the moment. And she said, and I quote, Justin, you're just milking it. I hope you don't work with her anymore. We do not. The most unkind, unsympathetic. I can't even imagine. I I didn't. All I could respond was just, that was a really mean thing for you to say. And I think that's where we get afraid about vulnerability, that somebody will take it and turn it around and use it to bash us on the head with it. And there are always those people. And what I had to remember is that (sighs) this is not about me. This is this person needing to be mean because that's what she needs at this moment. One of my very few like actual Karen moments, I had a Karen moment, which by the way, I want to produce Karen, the musical, the story of a white (laughs) woman who learned everything the hard way. (laughs) Um, 
Amazing. Yeah. But I mean, uh-huh. I mean, we, we did, didn't even like, we didn't even post that. I've been posting a lot of stuff on social media as of late because, you know, it's winter time and we have more time. And yeah. so I've been trying to be, you know, personal post, business post, personal post, business post. And even the stories that I write, like I wrote a story about how I'm working with growing out a beard. And it's yeah. funny is that like now everybody, every time I talk to somebody that I haven't talked to in a while, they're like, by the way, love the beard. And it's like, <laughs> I haven't even seen them in like six months, but they know that I have a beard because it was on social media and I talked about it. It is this wildly powerful platform that can be used for good or bad. I'm also wonder like, you know, is there going to come a point where like somebody uses my family against me? I have a private account. I only post things of people that I am connected to can see it because I'm a gay family with a black kid. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know what kind of crazy there is out there. You know, you guys are a yeah. gay family with a kid. What kind of crazy yeah. is out there that decides like I'm going to firebomb their house? You know, like I never post yeah. my address. I never say where I live. You know, those things yep. are like terrifying. I am not as active on social media as others. I mean, Cassie and Jeremy are an inspiration. I can't wait to kind of dig into their stuff more because I think they do it beautifully. I think I'm sort of frozen because I also wrangle with this question of how much is too much and how much of myself do I put out there and how do I be genuine with So I'm frozen. So I don't do much. Yeah. (laughs) I also get, you know, when you're out there, you, you get a lot of friend requests. I get a lot yeah. of friend requests. And if somebody sends me a friend request and they're not, it doesn't say specifically in their about section that they are a real estate agent specifically. Yeah. I write that and I'm like, hey, do we know each other? And if yeah. they write back and they're like, no, Facebook suggests you as a friend. I'm like, sorry, no. Nope. If you're a real yep. estate agent or I've met you in person, I'll be friends with you on social media. We're yeah. in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like, you know, there's just so much crazy out there. And the last thing I want, I mean, there could be like a movie about the idea that like you accidentally accepted a friend request from the wrong person and your whole life turned out. <laughs> yeah. a, lot yes. of, a lot of movies and musical ideas today. Is <laughs> you, absolutely. There's, a, there's another career in here for you, Justin. <laughs> Amy, what's the best place for folks to find you? Oh, so we have a website change. I think I said it last time, but we are, so Daniel Fagan and Beth Kellen and I are now at unlockpdx.com. That's our yes. rebranded name. Yes, I love it. So if you if you go to amyromberg.com, it directs you to unlockpdx.com. Unlockpdx.com. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Very good. Yes. All right. So our music is written, produced, and performed by Joff Metz. You can find him at fivestarguitars.com. We uh, want to say thank you so much to Cassie and Jeremy for coming out. You can find them at walkerandjohnson.com. You can find Amy Romberg at unlockpdx.com. You can find us at spade-archer.com. We provide exceptional home staging made easy. We want to thank you so much for listening to the podcast. If you've got a story that you want to tell, please reach out to us. We would love to hear from you. We'll see you next time Behind the Yard Sign. This production of Behind the Yard Sign was brought to you live from the Spade and Archer Studios. Spade and Archer Design Agency is the world's first guaranteed home stager.